0: This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network.
1: Welcome to Plated Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. And
0: I'm your host, Chris. And we are also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specialty Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. Now, let's find out what's on JJ's plate today.
1: Today, we have our producer, Kelly, with us in studio. Hey, Kelly. Hey. very excited to be
2: on the other side today.
0: (laughs) I know. It's great. So Kelly plays so many roles here at Specialty Produce. Um, She's our creative maven, taking some of those gorgeous photographs of produce that you see all over Specialty Produce social media sites um, on Instagram, Facebook, on our website, on our app. Holy moly. (laughs) Pretty much any gorgeous produce picture you see, she's the mastermind behind it. Um, she is also the producer of many of the podcasts that are on Specially Produce Network. Uh, she supports a lot of our produce buyers in the office and helping them kind of navigate the the ins and outs of purchase orders and all those <laughs> exciting things. Um and then she also is helping out with Studio Kitchen, which is kind of this project that's gonna be debuting later with uh Specially Produce and just many more things. So we are so thankful to have Kelly's knowledge and her joy um, as part of our podcast here at Plated Earth. So welcome, Kelly.
2: Ah, oh, thank you so much. I sound awesome <laughs> <laughs> because you are. Um.
0: So, kind of, we have a couple questions for you about the app um, because we know that that's you know at least part of your time is is devoted. To that so, um, could you give us a little bit of background about like the reasoning behind the app, or uh, what was kind of the inspiration for the app or you know because especially produce website is also super comprehensive as yes. far as a produce database um,
2: so why it was kind of created so the story kind of goes that um The founders of Specialty Produce have been around a while, (laughs) about 30 years, give or take. And in those 30 years, they've seen a lot of produce come and go in popularity. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some rightfully left because they weren't that good. (laughs) Right. And some stuck around for who knows what reason because they never were that good. Uh, So part of that came down to one of the founders um, realizing that the more time went on, the more narrow uh, what people were eating became. Okay. You know, sort of uh, one type of strawberry, one type of orange, uh, one type of plum, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily one, but it just became very narrow. Right. All the varieties sort of uh, dropped out because of just the popularity. There was no demand for them. So, one right. of the things is uh, he, he just decided to start, you know, paying attention and cataloging and uh, looking up information and taking photographic evidence. And that sort of blossomed into our amazing website. Which then, when apps (laughs) became a thing, um, turned into an app. And the app is really meant to sort of drive that want from consumers to have those heirloom unique gotcha. varieties, even, you know, the hybrid versions, um, which are not GMOs. And, I uh, <laughs> just want to say that, um, you know, to really drive the fact that there will be a demand, create that demand so that gotcha. farmers can start growing those unique varieties again.
0: So, um, I mean, one of the things I think is really amazing about both the app and the website is that it, it showcases a lot of produce that you can't necessarily find here, you know, in the U.S. So, where... You know, are those photographs taken or that information? Like, where does that come from? Are there people that travel here at Specialty or? Yes.
2: Absolutely. Um, so, I want to say a good 80% of the photos that are found on the website are actually taken here at Specialty Produce okay. located in San Diego, California. And part of the reason is because in California, we just have that amazing microclimate everywhere, lucky. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. sun- sunshine all the time, uh, just really great growing. Um, conditions and so we can get our hands on a lot of things that a lot of people can't get their hands on in the rest of the United States. Um, Some of it we even ship, you know. Mm -hmm. We contact other uh, farmers up in, like, Oregon or something, and we're like, hey, you have Papa? You (laughs) You mind sending us some? (laughs) Uh, And they're usually more than happy, you know, to send us a little bit uh, so that we can get our photos. Mm -hmm. Uh, But some of them are taken globally. That's awesome. Yeah, one of our founders, as well as uh, just a team of general – people, yeah. <laughs> uh, find unique produce items that we don't currently have on the website or in the app, uh, purchase enough for a photo, take the photos, and then send them to me okay. uh, where I get the pleasure of editing them and yeah. posting them onto our website and the app. Uh, and some of these people are traveling from San Diego all over the world. Mm-hmm. Some of these people like live in Thailand uh, and just, awesome. you know, when they go to do their regular grocery shopping and they see something they don't recognize – they'll check our app and if they don't see it you know they're they're going to buy a handful of them and they're right. going to contact our owner and be like hey i found this item you know do that's you want this really photo cool. and that's of so course cool. you know we compensate them for their time and their efforts right um but yeah so a good i want to say a good 20% or so of the photos are actually taken uh by multiple people around the world right in in the actual location that they yeah. are right,
0: grown yeah. or found and i mean i think that that's that's so exciting because there's so many markets, you know, like across the globe that display produce that grows yeah. well, you know, in that specific location. And maybe mm-hmm. it's some, you know, wild cross or pollination, you know, thing that happened that produces this amazing uh, produce. And I just I think that it's it's a really great um Resource and
2: yeah, and to have. and the reality is we cannot grow everything in right. California. Right, yeah. uh, we cannot import everything <laughs> in <laughs> California either. Right. So you know, there's certain things that they can't cross the borders because of a you know a potential parasite or whatever. Right, uh, and so you know we have people who either seek us out or we seek them out uh, who are willing to help. You know, right. and willing the willing to help us get that picture. Uh, usually, they come with a little bit of uh, information as well. You know, uh, we have someone in Mexico who takes photos for us, okay. and she'll be able to not only send us a photo but information regarding like how her family uses it or oh, what she cool. knows that it does, whether it be like uh, you know medicinal or you know even just recipes. Right. So, so, like the cultural implications yes. of produce and
0: how it's used so widely across you know the globe and. It's always interesting. I feel like through the research that gets done, uh, because you find so many similarities, like you know, as well as differences of how you know papas are used. <laughs> you right. know, that's a little bit more you know U.S. focused, but I just think it's really interesting to see how you know produce can connect people across the globe, just Absolutely. purely
2: from uh, a photographing and a researching standpoint. Yeah. you know. So and uh, so this is another thing that we run into is we'll find. The exact same produce item on two different sides of the world, called different things, utilized in yep. different ways. Yeah. So, so cool. Uh, what's cool about that is we will get a photo from each, you know, location, okay, uh, and we will actually take the article and write it in a way that, like, sort of pays attention to where we found it, pays ca- attention to cool. how that culture uses it, how okay. that um, group of people really, you know, use and respect that produce item.
0: That's cool. That's really cool because I think that helps you know showcase and highlight how you know just things are are used differently or can look different. You know, we I think yeah. as consumers we often have this expectation that uh, certain fruits and vegetables should always look a certain way. Right. Otherwise, that you know it's tainted or it's not going to be as good for you. And I think to open up the you know our eyes to see that. You know, the same crop can look so different, even the same variety of the same crop based on growing conditions or soil or, you know, those things. And so I think it, it it's just it's, yeah. what, it's what I love about the app and the website is it just it shows you that, you know, a apple, you know, right. like our knobby russet apple yep. <laughs> may look different if it's grown in Rhode Island versus New Jersey, yeah. which are geographically <clears throat> you know, even fairly close as opposed to
2: around the globe. But yeah, you know, um, growing conditions affect a lot, mm-hmm. uh, especially mushrooms. That's interesting. interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, mushroom mushrooms are uh, highly affected by just like sunlight, amount of moisture, uh, you know, what mm. they're growing on. So right. mm. no, That's definitely, cool. definitely uh, the area that they're grown in matters. That's interesting. That's and cool. then there, so within the app, Uh, Is there a whole like mushroom category or how are things, you know, organized? There is. So there's both a fresh mushroom and a dried mushroom. Okay. And obviously the articles uh, sway towards, you know, how you're going to utilize a dried mushroom, meaning you're going to need to reconstitute it. You can turn it into a powder, you know, different uses for that versus the fresh. Um, And there is an entire catalog for both. Okay. um, and the catalogs break down to individual articles. So the articles focus on one mushroom type, ok. Uh, and within the article, there's everything from okay, that's recipes, what I was going ask okay. recipes to geography and history, interesting facts, nutritional value, um lots and lots of information gotcha. as well as photos,
1: yeah, <laughs> very, very, very so cool. Play. So how would one use the app today? What's the most like you're at a farmer's market?
2: You pull it out? Is it just a quick reference? It's a great um quick reference. But one thing that I believe is currently underutilized, uh, and hopefully we can change that, is the spotted feature on the app. So the spotted feature allows any user of the app to see your anonymous, anonymously posted <laughs> um, photo or description of where you found a product. So, okay. so let's cool. say you're looking for chanterelle Mushrooms and you've looked high and low and you have like magically found some mm-hmm. and you left a little behind. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, you can spot it on the app so that anyone in your region who's around you can also or anyone using the app, but any, anyone around you can go and get the, you know, whatever you left behind <laughs> oh, cool. um, because you can put location, you can put phone numbers, you can put um, just the name of the store, any any information you have. Um, wow. I believe you can even do that if you're like foraging for Chantrell's mm-hmm. and you can spot the location. That is so cool. That's really <laughs> neat. That's
0: really cool. Um, so do you have a favorite feature of the app? Is,
2: is spotting kind of the one thing that you're like, I love this about it? I do enjoy the spotting, um, but my favorite feature is actually in the article. Okay. I really enjoy the interesting facts. Uh, and one of the reasons why is it's sort of transformed me into like a Snapple facts talk. <laughs> like I, I get to throw out random tidbits of like produce information, yeah. <laughs> whether it be uh, at work or to my friends and family. Right. Um it's always fun because their reactions are very mixed between like, oh, that's really cool and interesting. And why do you know that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So the interesting facts are just that. They're very interesting. They're very current, up to date. Okay. Um, the app is always being worked on. That's really interesting.
1: So what goes into creating a new entry? Is that just if you someone comes across something and is like, hey, we don't have this on the app already. We should research this. Yeah.
2: So over time, creating a new entry has changed a little. I'm sure when we only had 400 items on there, it was, you know, uh, pretty easy to find right. something wow. that we didn't have. But now we have over 1,900 items wow. available uh, cool. to check out on the website or the app. And – Usually how it goes (laughs) is um, whether it be one of our like, you know, around the world photographers, uh, one of our founders traveling the world or even just one of our local produce buyers, um, they'll hear about, see, you know, find out about um, a product, Uh, you know, they'll check the app or the website. Do we have that? Uh, And if we don't, you know, can we get our hands on it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And if we can, then we go about creating its own article. And it really all starts with a photo. So you're never going to find anything on the app that doesn't have a photo. Gotcha. Um, So from taking the photo, we then assign it to one of our our experienced writers. Most of our writers have been writing for us for at least three years or more. Um, Our writers, you know, start with what we call triage. (laughs) So they they look up, um, you know, an accurate description of what the product looks like, tastes Uh like. Um, Then they go ahead and look for any, like, super current relevant information. And from there, they start to branch out into, like, geography and history um, applications, things like that. After that, we do have a team that searches far and wide on the Internet for recipes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Some recipes are easy to find. Right. There's, I think at least like 50-something recipes for heirloom tomatoes. Yep, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, you get the kind of weird, obscure, knobby, russet apple mm-hmm. in there, and you right. may get one or two. So what we do is we keep our recipes very um, specific, like highly specific, okay. that the recipe calls for that one specific apple. Mm-hmm. Um, and we – Put all of those in there, and if we feel that it's just not enough or we couldn't find any that were highly specific like that, we use flavor profiles okay. to sort of find a recipe where you could include or sub out some um, a main item okay. in that recipe. Okay.
0: That makes sense. I mean, because from my knowledge of specialty, there's a lot of people here who actually have come out of kitchens or, like, the culinary industry. So do you guys kind of leverage some of their knowledge. We do. Okay.
2: Yeah, we do, absolutely. And, again, it comes back to um, sort of harnessing the people around you's knowledge and, like, you know, cultural experiences and, you know, not being afraid to be like, you know, you might know something that I don't. Right, right, right.
0: But I I think, you know, again, that harkens back to the collaborative nature of food. You know what I mean? And that sometimes – With these, you know, sometimes they're heirloom varieties, right? So they've been around for a long time. And other times they're, you know, a new variety of something that displays, you know, a unique flavor profile or like cooking texture that, you know, like this apple will hold up under. You know, it's great for pies because it holds up for long cooking times or something like that. Um, But I just always think it's really great to pull knowledge from a body of people instead of like operating in these Isolated kind of troughs. So that's
1: really cool to hear that about the app. So yeah. And it's crazy to think that even with over a thousand entries on there, we're still finding new things, new things to add.
2: So much more. There's so much much more. Barely the tip of the iceberg. Right? I mean, sometimes I watch uh, like YouTube videos of like those rare fruit hunters. Right. You know, people that travel <laughs> and they're eating something. And I'm like, I don't think that's on the app. Yet. Right. <laughs> right.
0: That's crazy. It's so cool. It's crazy. Um, so I guess maybe a question that's more specifically for you, but how do you creatively approach taking photos of raw produce? I mean, I've, you know, raw beets are beautiful. But I would imagine that at a certain point in time, like creatively displaying these things um in a way that actually showcases and highlights specific features gets gets to be a little um much of the same thing
2: Yes. <laughs> right. you can only put so many beep right <laughs> before you're like what are we doing no, um so I do have sort of a science if you will, behind <laughs> it where um I try to present uh every part of the item. So okay. if it has roots, the roots are in there. If it has leaves, the leaves are in there. If it um, you know, I always cut open okay um one or more of the fruits or veggies. Uh so we can see on the inside. You know, lettuce I want you to see the rosette that's going on. Okay. So I'll do one where the the sort of top or rosette of the lettuce is facing you, um, then laying on its side and then also cut in half so you can okay. see um, like the full stem on the inside. Gotcha. Uh, it really, uh, especially the foraged items, Okay, those in particular, because I'm going to assume that people are going to maybe be foraging for these. <laughs> right. Um, right. Those definitely, you know, if there's flowers on it, I'll make sure that there's flowers included, you know, a, the berry or fruit or whatever it is in, is included. Again, the roots. Um, it's not necessarily about uh, making it look like it's in a natural state okay so much as it is about making sure that all portions of it are presented so that you could visually identify gotcha um at any point it is important to maintain the integrity of the produce Mm -hmm. um when editing making sure that you don't oversaturate right um you know so that it is still representative of its actual color in nature that absolutely matters um But otherwise, I just try a lot of different positions before I choose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's sort of, like, a theme style on how to um, pose, like, lettuce in general, Uh um, beets in general, roots in general, you know, things like that. But uh, mostly I just – I try everything from – you know, two or three in the photo to like what does six look like? Uh, you know, using quantities in the photo to sort of demonstrate the size of the item. Okay. You know, like I did uh strawberries and then stem strawberries the other day. And in the strawberries I think I had about twelve berries total in it. Mm -hmm. In the stem strawberries I only put six because they are quite literally twice as big. (laughs) Right. Um so yeah just accurately presenting the produce item uh, in a way that it is identifiable. Right. Yeah. So. Is there a produce item that you like taking pictures
1: of? Is there something that's it maybe easier to photograph or that you just work well with? Okay, so I hate
2: photographing cherry tomatoes <laughs> because they roll all over the place. Um, toothpicks are your friends in those situations. Um, tomatoes are fun. Especially the heirloom kind because when you cut them open, you never really know what you're going to get inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are, have, like, striations or, like, color patterns that are so really cool fun. Um, roots do get a little boring. <laughs> Generally, roots kind of all look the same, yeah. whether it be a baby turnip or radish, a beet, right. you know. Um, even, you know, carrots, parsnips, parsley root, again, all sort of the same shape and <laughs> right. stuff. Yeah. Um, no, I I do enjoy a little bit of all of it, but those anything round it just, <laughs> just it, it, it away. challenges you, you a little more than the others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, um
0: just in a super quick um kind of wrap up or transition. I know you had mentioned um that some of Specialty's founders travel um and then would you mind giving us just a, a like a brief, maybe a rundown of your social media handles, so we could you oh know, yeah absolutely follow you guys.
2: So uh, follow us on Facebook. Okay, you can find us under Specialty Produce App app. Uh, we also have an Instagram uh, where we post pretty much once daily uh, a beautiful photo as well as, like, a little current fact information <laughs> tidbit. Awesome. So it's a great way to get your Snapple facts in. Right, your
1: little produce <laughs> trivia <to laughs> exactly. share. Exactly. Yep,
2: awesome. uh, and that is also at Specialty Produce App. Okay, okay. Um, and then we are on Twitter as Spec. That's S-P-E-C-P-R-O-D-A-P-P. And again, our Twitter is very visual, so we always have a photo. The photo usually has writing on it so you can kind of get your facts instantly. Um, And then also I recommend following one of our founders, Bob Harrington, on Twitter. Uh, He really is promoting the movement of uh, you know, grow more than kale. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Uh, and he is at Bob Harrington SP. So that's B O B H A R R I N G T O N S P. Perfect. Perfect.
0: Awesome. Well, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna transition a little bit, and let Kelly ask the questions um, to. JJ and I. Yes. Um, are kind of about our backgrounds and uh plated earth in general.
2: Yeah, I thought it would be a great idea to flip the script and sort of interview you guys, get a more in-depth conversation going as to why this podcast exists. Um and with that is my first question. So for both of you, Chris and JJ, what is the inspiration behind Plated Earth? And to elaborate on that a little bit, what is its focus uh, and or goals?
0: Sounds good. So when JJ and I both started here at Specialty, uh, we joined as writers. And so at Specialty Produce, the writing team is responsible for researching and writing all of the produce articles you see on the website and in the app. And we also have a weekly meeting where everyone comes into the warehouse and we get together and we you know, share some of the research that we have found, um, which can be difficult in some cases. Like with asparagus, you don't necessarily find the most exciting stories out there, but you do find a lot of uh, more like academic research, I guess. So you get like the history and the culture, cultural background, the geography, how to grow plants. You know, there's tons of information out there about how how to grow and uh, growing environments and that sort of thing. But. So one of the interesting things that we found in these writer meet, writers meetings is that there's a lot of information that's out there on the internet that has to do with some you know more mythological stories about produce, so origin stories, how different varieties came to be, or how different varieties have spread across the globe. And so JJ and I really think that these things are really interesting, and they're ways to help people engage with their produce. And so. The Plated Earth podcast is a new platform uh, for a way for us to communicate some actual historical research and information on produce, as well as weaving in more of some historical fiction through the food fables, which are really based off of these, you know, origin stories and kind of produce rumors that you get a little bits and pieces about when you start to research fruits and vegetables.
2: Very cool. JJ, would you like to add anything? Yeah, I mean, I think through
1: the research that we do for uh, writing for the website, there's so much uh, information that we find that doesn't necessarily fit in the categories on the website and the app, the description, taste, geography, history, culture, and all that, which is great information, a little bit more educational. But sometimes we find these fun, quirky facts that we want to share, and we thought that this podcast would be a great way to to share with those things with uh, our listeners and engage with produce in a different way, a little bit unique, a different platform to share and uh, connect with people and
2: connect to the food. Okay, well, that's fantastic. Uh, JJ, yes. this question <laughs> is directed at you. Is there an existing character, person, places, things, stories that you use as inspiration for your food fables? So it's a little bit of
1: both, it's a hybrid of that. So, our main host that's going to be recurring through all the food fables, uh, I made him up. His name is Dimitri Moto. Oh, I love and that name. Dimitri means earth lover in Greek. So he's part Greek and part Japanese last name Moto means the origin. So a little play on those words. Um, but he's he's our main character and he's hosting throughout these um, food fables. He's the one who's telling the food fables to an audience at the original farmers market in LA, which is a real place and it's kind of uh, recognized worldwide. so I thought it was a good place that brings together cultures, food. It's some place I've personally been to so mm-hmm. I can really I know the environment there and can write about it. There's community tables where people can sit and eat together. And that's where Dimitri is going to tell these stories um, and bringing together, people together over food and his stories. But then all of the food fables he tells, each individual story uh, is based off of real historical facts and fiction and characters in those. Uh, some of them are made up and some of, some of them are real. The way you're going to be able to tell is anyone who has just a first name or maybe even referred to as just Little Miss, Young Man, those are some of the characters you'll see Uh, Or if they only have a first name like Misty, those characters are fictional, made them up. But if you hear a character with a first and last name, that's a real person. So William Wolfskill, you'll hear him in our first
2: story. He's real. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yep. Very cool. So if we hear a first and last name, we are cued into the fact that this is a real human. Except for Dimitri Moto. He's the only one, but he's our host. Okay. And then the uh, information or story around that real person, are they generally... True. Yes.
1: So you'll you'll know if there's any dates thrown out there. Those are real facts. You know, uh, when the tower was built in L.A. at the farmer's market in 1948, that's a true fact. Um, So the stories that come around them, anything that has more concrete dates and settings, those are typically based off true uh, stories or the origin stories that come with these produce items. Oh, wow. Beautiful. That's pretty fun.
2: (laughs) Okay, so that sort of answered my next question, but feel free to elaborate how historically accurate are the food fable stories? Right. So
1: some of them are going to be based on historical situations. Like our first story you'll see with citrus is uh, based around the gold rush. That was a real time setting that really happened. Uh, but some of them are going to be more of those origin mythological type stories. Mm-hmm. They'll be pretty obvious when you hear them that it's based on something a little bit more uh, fictional. But still the the myth itself is something that's really out there and really culturally relevant.
2: Nice. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, this one's a little bit uh, of both. Feel free to chime in. What can we expect from future Plated Earth podcasts?
0: Gotcha. So uh, our future structure and really what we're looking to do is really to weave in history, produce facts, things that you can share with your friends at cocktail parties, (laughs) those sort of things like that, produce trivia, with uh, the historical fiction you know umbrella i guess you could say with with these other stories so we're pretty much planning on kind of alternating episodes uh each food fable will be preceded most likely you know there's always a little bit room for change <laughs> um with a short history episode so uh moving forward you know we'll probably do something like a little bit of a history episode into citrus and then that will be followed by maybe one food fable or Many food fables, depending on how many uh, rumors are out there, kind of surrounding these different fruits and vegetables. But we're really trying to create a platform for just information about fruits and vegetables to be shared. You know, the whole goal and story of Especially Produce and the app is to share the story of fruits and vegetables. So that is hopefully what the future of Plated Earth will do. Beautiful.
2: I love it. We only have one more question. And this is definitely a need... Something I need the, uh, each of you to answer. Keep <laughs> dun, 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 the music. It makes, it makes me nervous oh. over here. All right. If you were a fruit or vegetable, mm. what would you be <laughs> and why?
1: I I would be an avocado because I am California through and through, born and raised here. Um, I can be a little stubborn. So I can be like, you know, avocados are like, nope, not ripe, not ripe, still not ripe, not ripe. Oh, I'm, yeah, no, I'm ripe. I'm done. So, and uh, they they don't really like the cold too much. Nope, not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> not a fan of the cold.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Let's see. I think that I would be a champagne mango
1: because fancy.
0: such a fancy name <laughs> and such an undignified uh, way to eat a mango at least you know what i have found the easiest way is you know you cut off the side and then you score it and you you know kind of invert it and then you just gnaw it off with your teeth Um, so i but mangoes are like one of my favorite fruits and uh, there's also a lot of interesting rumors around mangoes maybe
1: there's a food fable coming you you never know
0: (laughs) you never know but yeah so i think that i would say champagne mango and they're delicious what about you, Producer Kelly?
2: Ooh, throwing it back at me. We got, we got, we're keeping it it's real. It's only for you. <laughs> um, you know, I definitely, I would be a carrot. Yes. <laughs> because I have awesome hair. <laughs> More importantly, I'm used throughout every culture. <laughs> I am the foundation. I am involved in mirepoix the foundation of french cooking i love
1: it and you're yeah. even on the logo for especially uh, produce network
2: yeah and, uh, <laughs> generally speaking most people like carrots and are not allergic to them <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go <laughs> Ta-da.
2: well thank you kelly for flipping the interview on us absolutely thank you uh for bringing a little clarification to myself and the audience um We are, I'm assuming, all very excited to see what Plated Earth has has to to (laughs) present.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, as always and moving forward, if you guys out there ever have any questions about something that you've heard, you know, please feel free to reach out to us via Instagram at Plated Earth. And, you know, you can always chat with some people here, especially produce, to get all of your produce questions answered. Thank you. Well, folks, that concludes this week's episode. Be sure to follow at Specialty Produce app on Instagram for some amazing produce photos. And while you're there, make sure to give us a follow at Plated Earth. As always, you can find more information, recipe ideas, and spots of local produce on the Specialty Produce app.
1: And remember, cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education. We'll catch you next time.